Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 125 of Life and Lessons. This week, you're going to hear a conversation I had with Lewis Mockler. Now, you might know Lewis by his stage name, Hunter, and for more than a decade, Lewis has been growing a musical career with some impressive highlights. He's played hundreds of shows, gained tens of millions of streams on Spotify, and he even landed one of his songs on FIFA. But now, as an independent artist, Lewis is speaking out about some of the challenges that solo musicians are facing when trying to connect with their fans. In the next hour, you're going to learn what really happens behind the scenes when a new artist signs to a label, how going it alone as an independent artist is fraught with challenges that make it near impossible to connect with fans organically, why TikTok could spell the end of deep relationships between songwriters and their fans, what celebrity DM slides you get when you start to release popular music, and so much more. Now, I've known Lewis for over 10 years now, and so I've had the pleasure of watching his music career at every single stage. And whilst he continues to release music to this day, as in literally today, he has a new single out, a lot has changed in the time since he first picked up a guitar. And so that's kind of what we reflect on today, how the connection between fans and musicians is shifting and what that might mean for the future of something that we all love so much. But just before then, if you're new here, do make sure that you're subscribed to Life and Lessons on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you're listening right now. I keep saying it and I will keep saying it. There are so many more great conversations with guests just like this one coming up between now and the end of the year. And I don't want you to miss them. But in the meantime, here it is. Episode number 125 of Life and Lessons with Lewis Mockler. Lewis Mockler, thank you for being here. That's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, we're going to have a formal podcast conversation, which will basically just be the conversation we have on the phone every three months. But it's a bit of a weird one, because I want to take this conversation today to a place that I think most people wouldn't. But I think it's, uh, as we were just saying before we started recording, it's a conversation that I think needs to be had, because through you and a few other musicians I know, you all seem to be in the same mindset right now and in the same boat, and yet publicly, lots of people aren't speaking about it. But before we get into that, let's start here, right? You've been in the music game for a bloody long time. It was about 10 years ago, exactly, that you and I sat on a bench in Leicester when I interviewed you for Magnate, and there was a packed out room of fans in there. Um, and that feels like a lifetime ago. But even that, even 10 years ago, isn't the beginning of the story. So bring me up to speed. Where did this all begin? Oh, my Lord. So, I mean, to get up, let's talk about how we got to 10 years ago. I mean, started off just being super interested in music when i was when i was really really young um i'd do like karaoke nights and stuff to stay up with my family because we were in like a pub or whatever and they'd only let me stay in if i would sing but i didn't think it could ever be like a job or anything like that i just thought oh this is something i'm good at, at the weekends didn't mention it to anyone at school because it was embarrassing you know the sort of the fear of getting taken the mickey out of was more um scary than actually the fear of going on stage and singing to a room full of strangers so i just didn't do it i just i just played football and that was my career path is that i was going to be a football player and and that was set out for me by my family and things like that and one day 
when I was 16, um, my teacher basically not blackmailed me because I don't want to get in trouble, but like blackmailed me to be in a school play um, because she said, you know, you need to do it because otherwise I'm going to make make it hard <laughs> or whatever. I don't know, but whatever teachers do to motivate you to be in school plays, she did that and I had no interest in doing it, but somehow I ended up in it. Um, and it came to the singing auditions for the part that I was meant to do. And she said, don't worry about singing. Like, you're just here to be the class clown character. Um, and I said, you know what? I'll, I reckon I can, I'll give my singing parts a go if that's all right. And I sang. And then my teacher stopped me singing it like two seconds into it and was like, what the hell? Um, and so did all of my classmates. So I don't know what happened, but it suddenly gave me a, a confidence to do it. And then I started busking and I started learning how to play guitar and I started doing all these things where I had this newfound confidence. Obviously, time had progressed since then, so it was quite cool to be a singer in school and not get bullied for it and things like that. So, yeah, I, I sort of progressed. I, I recently went back to my school and told them this story. And now it's so weird because you go back to a school now, they're very different to when we went to school. And they're very accepting, very, like welcoming to anyone who wants to do anything in there with their lives and you know you could say you want to be a goat and they'd be like yeah put it on tiktok let's let's do it um so yeah so um people were accepting i started playing open mic nights uh it's you know it just built up from there to get to where we mentioned at the start of this this sort of packed out room of complete strangers and they're all singing songs that i wrote in my bedroom and that wasn't even this like even though that feels like a long journey to get to there that wasn't like a cut in the cake of what was you know this last 10 years and so at what point on that kind of slow gradual dare i say almost accidental um path towards that night when we first met what was the first moment in all of that when you kind of paused and looked around you and were like shit this is this isn't a thing that i'm being kind of forced into doing in front of people now this is my life this is a thing that i'm actually going to do forever when when did that happen do you have a moment or a memory um yeah i think so i think when so i entered a, a, a competition before the you know record deals and stuff like this so at the moment i kind of thought that oh maybe i can do something with this maybe this is just more than you know like a funny little hobby or something like that i entered the band competition and i it was just me and the acoustic guitar and i won it and it was called like berry sound it was like a big venue called the apex which i'm playing now it's september 3rd this year go get tickets um uh, and uh yeah so um we would Basically, I went there and I, I won it on my own. And I was like, ah, no one's ever done that before. That's kind of cool. Um, maybe I should take, take this a little bit more seriously. Um, and that's when, you know, the sort of DIY chores and things like that came around. And I would just play anywhere, like anywhere that would have me. I would drive there. Um, I was only 17, 18. So I had all the time in the world to like drive to venues, play an open mic night get the money there's like 10 pound fee or whatever put it in my car for petrol drive somewhere else and 
I think when we played, there was a year that I played, I think it was like 200 shows or something like that in, in the whole year. And I was like, ah, okay, this is taking up all of my time. So I should probably just do this now. Um, and I think that's probably the moment where I looked back and was like, I don't have time for a, a, a normal job. So I guess this is my normal job now. And at that point, when you kind of accepted that that was then your life, what did your ambitions look like? You must have had this kind of distant, imaginary dream at that point of where you want to take it. What did it look like then? I mean, I've, I remember, I think we're all the same when we're young, aren't we? Like, you aim for the stars. So I was like, I'm going to be bigger than all of the pop stars ever. You know, obviously, we're, we're or I'm from Suffolk, and Ed Sheeran was like a big part of that where it's like oh and if he can do it i can do it then i'm gonna aim for the very top you know um so the path for me seemed quite clear that i was gonna get a record deal and they were gonna make me into a superstar and and that was it that was how i was gonna be i was gonna be in the charts and and that was my life and i in my head i'd already envisioned it so it was happening and then i was working towards it you mentioned Ed Sheeran. I know that he has, correct me if I'm wrong, been in touch a few times over the years with words of encouragement. Who else has kind of slid in the DMs on your way up and been like, I'm watching what you're doing. I really like what you're doing. Give us, give us some tea, some DMT. <laughs> some tea. Whoa. So when I, when I was sort of like, obviously Ed is a, like a big impact because of the Suffolk connections and he obviously shared the album and when he played Fit for Forest he put my album like on the Lego blocks and stuff and we'd you know I did covers and we'd done shows in Norwich and stuff like that. So that was that was he was always a really big help and and still is like a really good guidance person to you know just watch in general. I think he's a great um not idle, but like a someone you respect and you like a peer that you like. He's like the older kid in school who did really well that you're like, ah, oh, I really respect him and I I want to learn from you and take in soak in all of your wisdom. Um, but T wise, I mean, Labyrinth from pretty like from the off when things started picking up, Labyrinth was like, yeah, cool, I want to come to a show, and I was like, wow, you're Labyrinth, um, and I'd just been to see Labyrinth in like Skegness for like a lad's holiday that I went on. It was like the reunion thing. And I'd just been and saw him play live. And like two months later, he was like following me on Twitter and being like, Hey, I want to come to a show. So that was cool. Um, tiny temper. Um, I don't know why lots of like footballers took quite like a lot of notice early on as well. And maybe it's just the music that I was making, but it, it definitely, um, resonates with them I guess maybe because I've got that in my head as well that mentality of football in my life that I sort of sought after their affection as well um, and they respected that and saw the hustle and um, so I had like Raheem Sterling and Daniel Sturridge and Danny Ings and people like that all all really cool football players and you know I'm a big Liverpool fan so all of all of those guys played for Liverpool at some stage um, so that was cool does the illusion of quote unquote famous people messaging you ever fall away? Like on the ninth DM of someone that you 
really admire getting in touch and saying like the stuff that you do is really cool do you ever feel any less like an imposter or is there this big circle of like but but you're the famous one not me does that make sense like i imagine after a certain while the illusion of these people being held on a pedestal falls away and you realize they're just people right so i maybe i'm just really really weird but i've never felt that sort of the levels I, I like I said earlier like I set out with this whole I'm going to be the biggest superstar in the world so we're all on the same level no matter what because one day you're going to say to me you know this and this and this and I'm going to say yeah, well you're really great at this and, and I guess when you're younger as well you've got no fear so like I just had no fear and I wanted to tell everyone about all the plans that I had and all the you know how I was going to take over the world and stuff so if anything I was probably a bit of a, a, a little knobhead where they were like who's this young kid telling me about his 10 point plan of how he's going to take over the music industry and you know you have to be that kind of you know I always had that sort of wanted to share music with them before it was out and things like that and um, you know that's kind of how I treat everyone That that's the same with yourself you know we've known each other for a long time the way I speak to you about new music is the way I would speak to, you know, um, Matty from the 1975 about new music, because you're both human and you're both just as receptive to music and just as important for me as a listener. So it's just nice to have different opinions. And I, that's kind of how I see everyone. I don't know if that's a good thing to do or a bad thing to do, but it's worked for me. And so let's fast forward a couple of years because I am sat in sixth form and I get an email from Joe, your manager at the time. And the email is something along the lines of, um, can you take down this interview that you did with Lewis, the interview we just spoke about when we sat on the bench, because um, there was a label who were interested in kind of signing you and almost rebranding you to Hunter, as you're now known, right? Uh, I don't know if it was that particular deal that went through. I don't know the details, but Talk to me about the reality of that period of your life, because I think that's very kind of secretive and shadowy, right? What happens between a label finding an artist and thinking they might have it and that line actually being signed on that contract? What's the middle part? Uh, just a lot of playing, jumping through hoops, playing shows at, at secret venues and popping up at open mic nights to, you know, to play for the big dogs in the labels. Um, they all want to see you. They all want to make sure that you're right. They all want to, you know, they all want to throw in their their opinion into the hat as such. So you do a lot of right. Well, you're going to go to this place in North London. You're going to play this show. You're going to sing three songs. Everyone knows that you're like a secret big deal or whatever. Um, but it's it's all those little moments and stuff that they forge their opinion of you, and then it might go quiet for a, a couple of weeks and then you might be playing your own show and then suddenly one of the A&Rs comes down because they want to, you know, they want to see you. Um, it definitely for me with the whole DIY, like way that I did things before the label got involved, they were, I was playing a lot of shows anyway. So they were sort of just hopping on to come and see these shows. A different A&R would come every time and, go back with the same resounding opinion of, you know, this kid is raw, very, very, very raw, but there's something about him that can control crowds and, you know, can make people feel good. Um, and, and that was kind of 
where it went, where it started, and where when me and the label had a chat, it was like, well, this isn't a finished article. This isn't a you know like a finished product like Ed Sheeran, for for instance, where he had his loop pedal and he had his way of doing live shows that was different and he's ginger and he's, you know, not the usual pop star and that is his actual thing. Whereas for other people, you have to find that, that avenue of what you are in that sound. And when they asked me about it and, you know, after signing the deal, it was a kind of a case of, right, well, what do you want to be? And I, as this young person with so much confidence was like, what do you mean? I'm great. And they were like, yeah, but you're not like let's let's hone in and let's make this better than it is now and and that's where the the real learning starts because you have to learn very quickly that you're not you know where I guess like signing for a football team if you go to a better team where you were used to be the best player suddenly you're in a team of eleven players who are as good as you if not better and you have to start learning very quickly that you've got to be in that team and you've got to make stuff happen in that team otherwise they will just find another another player who was just as good who had that same potential so in that process who is selling to who this is something i've always wondered right because you've got you as the talent who is i imagine correct me if i'm wrong in demand from a bunch of different labels at a bunch of different levels when you're kind of that that fresh new face on the scene you've then got the label trying to sell to you to have you come to them you've got you almost implicitly selling to the label to be like let's actually go through with this guy's look, I'm quite good on stage like how is that all working is there a weird like unspoken dynamic I, I yeah I feel like that's it you've nailed it on the head I feel like everyone's bluffing to everyone and yeah it's it's kind of like everyone was selling to everyone at that point it was like oh what am I doing like am I going for this option where I know that these guys really wanted me before anyone else and they they want to put the work into me and they're an independent, well, a, a smaller side of a big label. Or do I go to the big dogs who are going to give me loads of money and knowing the little that I did about the labels, but still knowing that you don't get as big, a, you know, a long, as long a chance or as, you know, as much of a chance. Like I say, that's like signing for, you know, a major deal is like signing for Barcelona or Real Madrid or you know, going straight to being the director or in a, in a role in a normal normal job, um, as opposed to sort of starting out at like senior manager or senior associate or whatever. So so it's it was like a decision, and it was like a right. Well, I want to do this forever. I don't want to do this for five minutes. So I'm going to stick to my guns and stick to the like the gut feeling. And I guess yeah. So in that sense, they were kind of selling to me the dream of you know we'll stick with you and i was just putting myself out to anyone who would <laughs> who would listen and who would who would want to give me you know an opportunity to do what i wanted to do um and then listen to all of them sort of sell to me why it should be them that i worked with how did it feel on that day when you when you signed that line and you realized that that dream of 17 year old lewis coming off the stage of that award show had almost been I don't want to say achieved because of course lots more comes after this right but you taken that first official step it was real how did that feel um i'm going to be completely honest i've never actually said this before but a little bit um anticlimactical uh, anticlimax like and it was an anticlimax like it, it i don't know if anticlimactical is even a word but and it was an anticlimax and i went to a little bar 
hardly anyone was there. There was no like, you know, sometimes when there's you go into the office and there's all champagne and stuff. There wasn't that. It was just an olive bar. And I think they bought me a beer and I signed this. It was like, here you go. Here's your deal. Sign it. Bosh. My lawyer was there as well, actually. Um, signed it. He was like, congratulations. I've got a shoot now. I'll see you, you know, I'll see you soon. And and that was it. It was done. So, yeah, it was really not. And then when I got home, I was like, oh, my God, I've just signed a publishing deal. Like, this is it. This is the start. Um, but the actual scenario itself just didn't feel it didn't feel like anything. It didn't feel like it was that big a deal. Um, and then what followed, obviously, all the sessions and stuff like that was was obviously quite a big deal. So I don't want to jump too far ahead, but actually on that, do you find that a lot? Because I have this conversation very often with friends, particularly those who run bigger businesses than mine or are in higher positions where they achieve these ridiculous things, these things that have always been on their bucket list that 11-year-old them dreamt of. And they do the thing and they look around them and they're like, it's just a Tuesday. Like, I feel entirely indifferent. And I imagine you've had a lot of those big moments, right, from headline shows to the album to even what we just spoke about. How often did you stop and think this is incredible? And actually, how often was it just like, meh, on to the next thing? Yeah, it was never stop and think, wow, this is incredible. And and it's one, the biggest regret I ever have in sort of my life so far is that I am just turned 30 and I've never stopped and looked back. And to, to actually enjoy any of the moments, I've always been like, cool, we just sold out this place. What is the next place? We've just, you know, just got this song. It's just got a million streams. When's 10 million streams? You know, it's, it was always, okay, what's next? And maybe that's why it's got to where it has. But at the same time, I'm, I, I'm definitely learning more now to sort of accept the things that are happening and be like, that's great. Wow. I'm really happy this has happened that's nice you know like recently as an independent artist just got added to some spotify own playlists you know editorial playlists and now that i'm independent and i see how hard it is to get on those playlists i'm like oh wow that's really cool (laughs) like ah i should really appreciate this um and in hindsight you know hindsight's a, a wonderful thing like i wish i'd have done that with every single achievement that I have but I'd have never had any time to do anything else so so let's talk about the early days of being signed to a label this dream that almost every musician has um, at the beginning of their career which very 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 few actually realize right statistically very few musicians get signed you got to that point and then I imagine at some point the reality of studio sessions and writing and working and all of this stuff setting what does a day-to-day life of a newly signed musician look like? And how does it feel to kind of let go of the control that you had had for all of those years in the growth stage of your career up to that point? Yeah, I think, I think do you know what? It's kind of like, um, to put it just in terms of like everyday life and everyone to make it sort of feel like everyone. It's just like getting older. Like one day you're at school and you know you're being told what to do and the next minute you blink and you're like in a job you're however you're doing however well you're doing and suddenly that control (laughs) that you had over your life in school where you can go out and play after school and you can do all these things and you know whilst you have parents who are sort of guiding you 
you still very much have control of what's going to happen in your life. And then suddenly you blink and it, you suddenly lost that control somewhere. It's kind of like that where it's like, right. Um, I had all this control doing it independently, got to a point where I was like, amazing. I'm going to get a deal. And then you sort of sign it. And then you, you wake up and your decisions are being made for you on your behalf. And, um, I guess it's the most being signed to a label is the most normal structure like a job that being a musician is because you've got people who work on your behalf on your team who have their stuff together um and are sort of making decisions for you on like I say on your behalf and 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 you sort of get cut out of some things which you would have used to have to do so much work for there's someone else doing it now pitching things to playlists and and you know sending you through to blogs and hype machine and all this sort of stuff and there's things that you didn't even know that you needed to do that they're now doing for you and i guess the day-to-day of it is that you'd wake up and you'd look at your calendar and you'd see that you're booked in with a session that you never could have got before um you go along you've got to then prove yourself that you're worth, you know, I guess you mentioned earlier about imposter syndrome. Like you've got to prove that you're worth being in that room. You know, some of the people that I worked with were like Grammy winning (laughs) writers and producers. Now I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm basically 12. I can't even grow a beard. Um, I'm, I've just, I'm like fresh from the industry womb. Like how, like I need to prove my, but that's where that, I guess everything loops that we're speaking, links that we're speaking about where that sort of idea from me of everyone's the same, everyone's human. I'm going to go in and write with this Grammy award winning person. Like I would write if I was just with my mate from, you know, new market. Um, and then you would, you know, you just spend all of your time writing music, writing music and writing more music. And occasionally there would be a day where you'd go and meet some, PR people, you'd maybe get some new clothes or you'd be in a photo shoot for some blog or something like that. And occasionally you get to play a show or you get go to meetings where they talked about you playing shows. Um, new artists um, almost exclusively don't play shows until something's happening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn 
LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So in that system, how much do you feel, I can't think of a better phrase here, so I'm just going to throw out there, almost like a spare part, right? You've got the office working around you. You've got the corporation working around you. You've got your schedule telling you where to be. You've got the person in the session who kind of has their system and you're just kind of sent to these places and sent to these things to be the logo almost. You're like the hunter logo. You turn up and you do your thing and then you get told where to be next. At any point, did you kind of, I don't want to say regret the decision in the early days. That's not the right word, but almost think like, shit, what have I got myself in for? This is like a real full-time job of being told what to do. <laughs> yeah. Being babysat and being like, um, a sort of mummied into, you know, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. But at the time, right. So you've got to remember that musicians a lot of them are quite young young adults or teenagers late teens you know early 20s and it's no different for me I was you know 19 20 21 22 I just had full faith that what I was doing was going to get me to where I needed to be so I just completely trusted the process and you know every day every session that I got put in I wrote a song every day I tried to write a better song and that was the goal. It was like, right, well, I did this the other day. It's pretty cool. Let's make a better one today. And, you know, meeting all these producers and, and writers and people like that and wanting to just better myself constantly. And, and I knew that if I did that, that the label would be happy with me. And, you know, I was very ambitious and, and keen to every song I wrote, I thought was my best ever song, you know, and I'm sure you can vouch for that from, you know, 10 years of being sent demo after demo and and that sort of i think this one's amazing i think this one's going to be great you know that's that's kind of the mentality you have to have otherwise that's why so many artists don't don't put an album out or don't put an ep out or don't even put a song out because they just they they crack under that pressure of well we're going to put you in a room with you know ryan tedder or or someone who you know that's a lot of pressure (laughs) You said something interesting there. You said that you were confident that every action you were taking was moving you closer towards your goal of success. Um, now, whether or not you hit all of your goals, I don't know. But how much do you think that you were in control of your own success, right? To speak to the point you just made of all of the demos that you sent. I was trying to find one earlier, actually, that take another shot, 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 banger. Couldn't find it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the there are this is so many songs that, that you've no made. Called, this is That's what it's called. I couldn't find it in Dropbox. I couldn't think of the name. There are so many songs that you made that you were confident were the best song you had ever written, right? But by virtue of the fact that you had a publishing 
deal, you were told you can't publish them, right? There were so many, uh, for example, even the the tour a few years ago, they got delayed and then delayed again from, I imagine, management. How much do you think that your hands were tied by almost like spreadsheets and people in an office somewhere who were convinced that they knew better? And do you think that while signed to the label, you ever got to show your true potential or were all of those decisions taken out of your hands? So <laughs> that's... So a loaded question. Um, yes, I do think that I was... Right, so it works two ways, right? I think that I was in control of my own destiny, but at the same time, that destiny was being steered by... or con, Not control. I was in control. However, for me to reach any potential, it had to go through and jump over many hurdles. Um so if I'd have been, or if I am, as you know, if I if I could have been as successful as Ed Sheeran or you know Justin Bieber or someone like that, I I would have had to have done better in my, I guess, decision making and my drive and and sticking to my guns because what happens when you're with a label is they they obviously have to earn their money by telling you no and by telling you yes and by telling you we want to do this we want to do that this doesn't sound right can you make this sound more but like burning plastic on a summer's day can you make this you know they have to have their opinions because otherwise i could just do this on my own so there's a there's a naivety when you're young that they have your best interests at heart and they have the same goals as you and you're the only person that matters to them in the world that's not real because they have record label where there's lots of artists on on a roster and they care about all of them because they all make the money and that's what makes the world go round and the hard thing to establish with that is when you're younger is that it's not all about you and they don't care just about your project and, you know, they're not going to answer the phone at 5am because you think you've just written the best song in the world. Um, that's something I found hard to accept, not because uh, I'm an idiot, but because I was so in that world of, oh, well, I'm going to be a pop star because I just signed a publishing deal. Now I've just signed a record deal. And, you know, why wouldn't they want to hear the song that I just wrote at 5am? Um it's it's a very fuzzy line about who's in control there, right? Because if I've got the power to 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 text my CEO of my label at five AM, am I in control? Or has he got the control because he can ignore it and he can be like, Don't don't text me at five AM if 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 it isn't important, you know? So it it's a like I say, it's a loaded question because I never I don't think I was ever really ever in control of anything, but at the same time, I was me. I was steering, steering my own ship with the songs I was writing and with the you know with the work ethic I had and with you know I wrote I've or have written over a thousand maybe two thousand I don't know however many songs I've written that doesn't you know that that's hard that's a lot of of stuff going on and that's a lot of brain power and and things like that how does it feel when those two opposing interests collide because 
like you say, you've sent me over the years a lot of songs and many of them are very personal. They're about like dark moments of your life or deeply uh, intricate thoughts that you can only really get out via music. And I imagine at some point someone sits in an office somewhere and they listen to it and they say, yeah, no, it's not the one. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not very good. It's not going to work. And you know, just bin it off. Like, how does that feel? Because in my life, I've never experienced A, having to be so emotionally raw about something, but then B, that raw emotion being objectively looked at through the lens of like, is this good for business? Is your emotion here good for business? How does that feel? Yeah. Is your heartbreak going to make me money or not? Like even now with Spotify and the way things have progressed, like I, the curators are like basically God in to these independent musicians. It's like, they literally have the chance to listen to 15 seconds of a song and they're going, ah, yeah, actually, no, don't like it. Where there might be, you know, in the 20th second, the most amazing bit of music ever, but it's just so, as you say, like someone's judging your whole raw, someone might have spent, you know, years writing a song and it only takes 10 seconds for it to get disregarded by, you know, just another human. Do you think the average listener realizes how not in control they are of what they hear, if that makes sense? Because there are so many layers that a song has to trickle down through from like the moment it's recorded to how it arrives on your Discover Weekly playlist. There are so many humans involved who at any point can say, no, Sean isn't hearing this song this week. Do do you think, because we think that music is this organic discovery and yet I, I mean, I just have beef with industry events because I think they expose what I'm about to say, which is that it's actually just this kind of massive kind of in-group of people who either say yes or no. And there are so many people who can stop a song from ever reaching Spotify. And I don't think people think that. People think that this kind of organic discovery happens and wow, I've just discovered a new artist. But you click into their song credits and you see they're signed to like a major label and they've got this person as a manager. It's almost like this, this closed group. And if you're in, you're in. And if you're out, you've got no chance. You're, you're in the cold yeah it's um i just don't think people know that and i don't think anyone will ever know that unless you experience it or you've got a friend who experiences it or you're suddenly become obsessed with an artist who is talking about it and that's the only way you sort of realize you know you're a big fan of music you go to a lot of shows you know for everyone who listens to this i'm sure they're aware that you're very passionate about you know independent and also signed artists and you know you've been fortunate enough to to go and watch a load of them live and I'm I'm sure that I'm not the only person as you mentioned who speaks about these types of things and, and speaks about how you know there's gatekeepers in Spotify there's gatekeepers in labels there's gatekeepers there's gatekeepers in life right so even down to now playing shows it's it's difficult to sell tickets to shows because it how do you promote it when there's so many social medias and so many platforms that use algorithms so how do you even speak to your own fans anymore because you've got to somehow trick the system to speak to the people who have followed you for years it just doesn't like it none of it makes sense to me And this is something that, and again, the reason I wanted to have this conversation is I saw you speaking about this at the same time as I saw 
a bunch of other musicians at every level talking about this. It's almost like there's been this this tidal wave that's been held back for years. And some of it is almost like stage managed, right? You see people do TikToks where they're like, oh, my label said I can't release this song, so I'm going to play it. And that's one thing. But putting that to one side, which is like a trend within this trend, it does seem to me that more and more musicians are just fed up with having to be seven different things at once or fed up with existing within a system where they have to justify their existence every single time they put out a song. Forgetting the label for a second, now as an independent, how does that feel where you have to fight so hard to have your fans hear your music that they want to hear? Yeah, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head. It's it's fighting. You actually have to genuinely fight. You have to be a web designer. You have to be you know, social media influencer, you have to be a graphic designer, you have to be, you know, all these things to just to tell someone that you've got a song coming out. That's not even backing that they're going to, you know, that's nothing to do with them actually listening to the song and enjoying it themselves. It's about trying to get them to even be able to listen to it, which is so hard. And it's like, I've got something stupid, like 100,000 Facebook likes and about six people like some of the posts in the first hour or whatever, because I have to, if I want my own fans to see my own music, I have to pay, you know, Facebook 30 quid or something like that, just to push it to my own fans. Not That's not new fans. That's not trying to build an audience. That's just people that already like my music that don't see it and disregard knowing me as an artist anymore because they they don't see anyone they think that I'm dead probably um and they're not going, they haven't got time to look me up because no one has time anymore no one has I don't know what happened to us but no one seems to have time there's so many artists the world so saturated the world is we're too busy flicking TikTok we don't have time to listen to music anymore I I spoke to my friend Sorry, this this is me being very passionate. But I spoke to my friend Dan Briskin, who I who I made the second album with. He was saying to me, songs are going to be 15 seconds long soon because they just need to be the TikTok sound and need to draw people in. So if he had any 15 second parts of songs that he thought would be really good for TikTok to send it over. And I just thought to myself, like I was just sort of, what what are we doing what are we doing with our life why are we trying to fit in why are we trying to shoehorn ourselves and our music and you know artists whether that be artists who are new old independent what are we do why are we all on tiktok pretending that we are enjoying it because we're not everyone's not enjoying it i'm not enjoying it i'm not enjoying being all of these different people all i want to do is make music and have people sit like you said before sing back my songs to me in shows that was what being a musician used to be and and that's the core of my existence was to make songs that people felt something to and 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 would message me and be like your song did this to me you know i i play your song while i'm doing this or you know me and my best friend like to drive to this song or you know things like that that's what i do music for i don't do music to be famous anymore or to do any you know there's no motive behind i don't even care about money or anything like that i just i'm now just doing it because i love it so i don't like all the background 
jobs that you have to do just for I wouldn't mind if you know I never got another fan again but I, I what pains me is that my own fans that have put the time and effort into me and invested into me as an artist over the last 10 years can't see when I'm putting out a new song and how does it feel when you when you ruminate on that realization because in in the interest of fairness i won't name people who i've had to google to check that they're to put it as you put it still alive right but there are musicians who i've kind of liked in the background but not been a super fan of and then i'll have a conversation with say chloe and i'll be like oh they definitely fell off and then i'll look and they're still working just as hard they're still releasing music but for all of the reasons you just said it's just not getting through to me does it panic you that these people that you spent over a decade of your life forming a connection with now literally don't know you exist in some cases yeah yeah (laughs) yeah to to answer it bluntly yeah of course it's super worrying and it's you know you think to yourself all right i can't go on if if more and more people you know can't see me if i start you you feel like you're becoming like the invisible man or the invisible woman you know it's 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 hard enough as it is to do all the stuff we've talked about for the last 45 minutes to get yourself to that stage, to get yourself to even have the courage to write a song, to even then to get it through production, to mix it, to do all these jobs, to get it to making artwork. Like I make my own artwork now. I never thought I'd do that, but I do it because I want, I want to, because I'm in control of it. But doing all of those things getting to that point is exhausting and then to then put it out and for no one to hear it or for a limited amount of people to hear it or for you know not the the same amount of people that you used to have when you were with your label because the label was spending you know loads of PR budget sharing it around and the way that the industry has gone and the way that social media has gone that everything is monetized now and everything is paid for and ads you need ads to reach your own fans like it's just scary it's it's terrifying because what where do we go from here like there needs to be a change otherwise all the hard work that's been done by all these musicians they're just going to disappear and then there'll be no music to listen to only the things that you're sort of forced to listen to and it'll be like the 80s and 70s again where there'll only be certain amount of songs out a week and stuff. There's an interesting broken full circle as I think about it, right? So if we go back to when you first started releasing music as Hunter on the label, I don't know the full story, so I'm sure you fill in the gaps, but you released your first few songs without a face, right? The artwork was kind of um, designed in such a way where nobody really knew that Hunter was Lewis Mockler and Lewis Mockler was Hunter. And that was spun in such a way to to be all about the music, right? You either like the music or you don't, and then you can buy into the personality afterwards. We're now in a position as a society where music is just as faceless, but for the completely wrong reason, right? Music is now, as you put it, a 15 second background track who could be by anybody because there is no loyalty to whatever songs viral on TikTok this week because you don't connect with the human behind it. It's like we've we've come full circle by virtue of your career to a point where you started off faceless, but for the right reasons. And now the whole bloody world of music is faceless for the entirely wrong reasons. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, when, when, when I started Hunter, I just didn't want 
I didn't want a head start. I didn't want all the fans from Lewis Mockler to to jump on board and just like it because it was me. So I wanted to test out this this music that I'd been, you know, this these skills, these this sort of R and B pop sound that I'd been making that I loved. I wanted whoever liked it to like it, and whoever didn't like it didn't have to, you know, jump on board just because it was me. Um, and then, yeah, like say to follow on from that. Now, the world is, you know, like I say, no one has any loyalty with anything, and these fifteen seconds, you know, it says the artist on the, you know, the the sound. And I, I wonder how many people, if I said to you, you know, hear that, oh, that that guy who sings that, that's Tom Rosenhall. But I only know that because I follow him. And I have done for ages an incredible writer. So I'm watching his TikTok lottery song, you know, do the lottery and come up trumps. But it, his followers aren't going up dramatically. He's like making a fortune because the song's streaming really well because people are going to find the song. But him as an artist, I don't think he's suddenly selling out, you know, venues twice the size or anything like that he's just really chill about how lucky he is that a song blew up on tiktok to that extent um because you know you can have little mini ripples with tiktok and instagram and stuff where people find the sound and then they stream the song or you can have big ones like him where you know some songs just on tiktok just explode and i mean like explode and that is the one benefit of that but it's so, like you say, it's so faceless. Like, people aren't going in the street to him, like, oh, you're that guy who's in that, oh, what the, they're not doing that to him because they don't know who the hell he is, basically. You know, they don't they don't know anything about him. They just know that if, if he went round, though, to everyone in, in the world and was like, I'm the guy from TikTok who does, they'd be like, oh, my, if he started going, who? <laughs> they'd be like I know you I feel like I've, I've really used that sound I feel like maybe I'm going to be a TikTok viral thing just for this interview with that impression I don't use TikTok so I actually don't know what the hell that sound is I'm just going along with it <laughs> it's that like it's that one it's like a cover and he actually funny enough made that song that went viral was not on Tom Rosenhal's actual page. He made like a, a pseudonym of like, I can't remember what it was called, but it's almost like a female artist that he'd made up where he's singing it. And it's a cover of that. Alabama, Arkansas. But it's him just doing like a really nice sort of easy breezy, amazing version of it. it's it's so beautiful and he's he's really great and he's had one or two songs now that have actually gone super viral on tiktok and like you know where maybe the industry might not be interested or not might not have been interested in him that i bet they they really are now um and he was maybe an artist that was told to go and be a writer so that's what can come from this and that's amazing and i if you know if someone gets an opportunity from these new ways of how things become viral and these new sort of throwaway songs where no one knows who the artist is but they know the song great but um i just don't like it 
Do you think, so you know a lot of people in the industry from managers to musicians to everything in between, and you've also sat in the industry for a long time yourself, you've seen some of the changes, right? Do you think that the industry, based on what you just said about Dan, do you think that the industry is aiming for the wrong North Star here? They're aiming to make viral songs to a fan base that will move on in seven minutes because the entire design of TikTok is there to have you move on quickly rather than trying to nourish the kind of songwriters and the kind of musicians that perhaps you or I grew up with. Do you think that this entire generation is destined to have kind of catchy pop songs and nothing else? Or is there still space for real music to break through somewhere, somehow? I think we'll be the last generation of it. I honestly, I think there'll be space for people like Adele and like Ed Sheeran and like, you know, you know, there'll, there'll be there'll be people like that 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 will stay true to themselves. There'll be people that still make albums, and there'll be people that you know still believe in the craft, and there'll be an audience for that too. And there'll be young kids who whose parents are like, no, you should listen to a whole album. Like, there'll still be that world. And Adele actually spoke about this recently. She was like, well, who's writing music for the people who still want albums? I'm I'm happy to volunteer as tribute, you know? So, and I'm the same. I I will happily carry on doing things the way that I want to do them because I believe in that. that I, I believe that you can listen to a whole album on a drive or just before you go to bed or when you go for a run or, you know, I made the second album all about sitting on the train when it's rainy outside and you fill in like the whole album is a movie about you. So I will stick to my guns on it. But I do think that, you know, the music industry is going, following that wrong North Star because it's been pushed into it. I don't actually think that the music industry ever wanted to go away from, you know, doing radio and album signings. But they got they get pushed and they get bullied into and then they find where the money is and they follow the, you know it's a it's a rat race they follow, they follow wherever the money goes and the money is with TikTok right now the money was with Spotify and they'll just keep doing that until you know they'll always be a little bit in control because they'll always be the people with the money who are following the money. It's interesting that the the gap between those two generations who were born so close together, right? I guess our generation and those. 10 to 15 years younger than us time-wise that's a grain of sand relative right and yet you've got artists like Adele who had the shuffle button taken away from her album on Spotify to encourage you to listen to it in its entirety you had Ed Sheeran just after that who said you can do what you want you can listen to these songs as singles but I ask you just once please listen to the full album together before you judge it and then one generation along we've got people who don't even know full songs right everyone knows their day in the life let's see if you really trap i don't know the rest of that song i just know the bit that's on instagram and it's like where does where does that lead us where people aren't even writing full songs anymore i mean they are but they're optimizing for such a tiny bit it's almost like the craft leaves and this turns into pure economics at this point well so music has always been that way where like it's like right here what what's the hook right what's the hook the hook and that has now evolved where it used to be, you know, there'd be an advert for an album and you'd hear the best bits of, you know, Adele's songs and stuff like that. And it would be all the, the hooks, you know, the catchy parts of the songs. 
they've just evolved so much that 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 where the advert wanted to show you you know 20 seconds of a song they've just gone right tiktok here we go bang 15 seconds that's it you know um that's that's kind of where it's gone and and I, I hope it doesn't go any further than that because what we're we going to hear like five seconds of a song it's going to be for me that's like a uh <laughs> and then it's, it's gone so let's end, end here right because i have dragged this conversation through i guess a somewhat dark place but because like i said at the beginning i think it's a conversation that people are too scared to have that you've been willing to kind of stick your head above the trench and say on instagram so i wanted to dive a bit deeper into it but of course the last however many years of your life and your career haven't all been like deep and depressing and contracts and arguments. Lots of it has been good, right? So just in the last few minutes, reflect back on the last 10 plus years um, and pull out some memories of what were like the, the most amazing, the happiest, the most incredible moments of this whirlwind so far. What sticks out in your mind? Um, yeah, good question. I mean, I've got 11 minutes left on my laptop, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you in in five um and i generally the best things that have ever happened to me have all been shows and all been people singing back my own songs every time they got bigger and every time it got louder in the crowds like that was as close to taking a realization of oh my god look where we are look look how far we've come that's how i used to manage my life and how i used to manage how successful i was with how many shows that people were singing songs back to me or, you know, if I'd support someone, people already were in the crowd who knew the words. If it was a headline show, they're all singing it back to me. It's, it's crazy. 4am coming out was like a game changing moment. Um, anyway, getting on FIFA was just, I think it's probably one of my biggest achievements because of who I am and who, you know, football and stuff is such a big part of my life. So that was like a, an amazing achievement and I'm super proud of that. Um, I guess just doing it all, like I, I, I'm going to look back when, you know, I've stopped doing music and I'm older and, and, and greyer and don't look like a 12 year old anymore. And, and I'm going to just think to myself, Christ, I actually did it like, I had this life, you know, and by then if I've got kids and stuff and I'm doing something that's normal or whatever, and I can tell them all these stories about, you know, how mental life was and how I built this whole empire for myself and how it grew and how it, how it evolved and how I did all this stuff in my, you know, in my teens and my twenties and, and thirties and how it turned out pretty cool. And like, that's something that, I'll never be able to, you know, explain or bottle or, or like write about. Maybe I could write about it and make, make a little book or something. But um, that's something that no one else will have, that my situation would never be the same as anyone else's. And that's something that I'm really proud of. And, and I guess that's that's the biggest achievement is that I can say I... I did that myself. Like no one helped me. It's a really nice place to end. Lewis, I've really enjoyed this. I'm going to make sure that your Spotify and whatnot are in the show notes so people can go and get ready for the second album. If people want to head somewhere to check you out other than to the link to the show, which will be there so people can buy tickets, where can they go to, uh, to hear more of your stuff? Um, just 
online if you can see my posts you know put me as a i think there's a new thing where you can put it as one of your favorites or something like that that's that's the new thing apparently but it's all at hunter music so all of it spelled h-u-n-t-a-r like an evil villain that's me Mohaha. um and yeah thank, thank you for having me on here and, and i really appreciate you know having a chat and hopefully helping someone out with some anxiety or you know a dark place helping them realize it's not just them amazing i appreciate it thank you Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>